0: Welcome to Parallel Quest, a podcast where two friends talk about the stories we love and share our personal stories of the impact they've had on our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and alongside, or maybe more accurately said, across the internet from me, my great friend, co-host, author, and faceless today, Zach Butler.
1: Zach, how are you doing today, man? (laughs) Listen, I'm not faceless. I have the Skype thing up i'm i'm repping for those who are just listening to this on the audio i don't have a camera today so if you go over to our youtube page you're not gonna see my beautiful face you're just gonna see a big ass
0: hey you know i Skype. think i might i might slide an image of your face over that Skype logo <laughs> just have a still I'm, photo I'm, I'm gonna slide it in right now and your face will be kind of glowing and everything and it'll be nice it'll be nice beautiful let the people see it yeah yeah, and I'm, I'm excited about this episode. We are getting a much later start than we normally do, and I I can honestly say um, I'm excited about this. I feel like I might be a little extra energetic today because I might have to try really, really hard because it's starting to get pretty late, but um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to get going. And, Zach, I just want to start off by asking you. I, I sent you a text of an audio clip from an audio book. <laughs> Yes. Did you get that? Yes, I did. Okay. I did. I did listen to it. So, (laughs) the other day, I am sitting at work, and I'm listening to this new book in the Star Wars universe for the High Republic Publishing, uh, what is it called? Agenda? Um I don't know. It's their new publishing thing, and I can't think of the word I want to use. Uh, but it's called The High Republic, and the first book I think is called Light of the Jedi. I, I, that's, how, that's how much I'm not even paying attention to this book. I can't <laughs> yeah. even remember the name. But I'm listening to this book, and, and first of all, the way it goes about its storytelling is not necessarily how I want a Star Wars book to go. It's kind of each chapter is a vignette, paying attention to a different, you know, squadron of characters, and that's not really how I wanted this whole thing to start off. So I was being very critical mm. from the beginning, but it's it's not great, it's not terrible, it's it's kind of just like it's a decent book, right? And I'm, I'm kind of getting into it, I'm starting to get immersed in it. They're talking about how the Jedi's need to work together to basically send this beam across the galaxy, and if I were to explain it to you in, in actual layman's terms, it would sound really dumb. That That's another thing I'm finding out, is that... In written form, or at least in this audiobook, Star Wars seems a lot dumber when it's detached from the screen. Like, the yeah. force detached from the visuals of a screen, it's really stupid. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. really dumb when you explain it in in words, but that's fine. I still think it's fun. I can visualize it. However, anyway, uh, there's a Wookiee character in the... Book, who all of a sudden I'm just listening and, and, and it's getting tense, like it's getting real intense in the story. <laughs> Tension is building up, and I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. And then you just hear this character in the background, and like I'll do my Wookiee imitation for you guys because I don't think it's that bad, right? Chewbacca, he kind of does like the right, like that's kind of his thing. You kind of hear the throat going, but not in this audiobook. In this audiobook, the Wookiee <laughs> is literally just going. Uh, i'm at work trying to like be serious and work and listen to this audiobook at the same time and i just start cracking up laughing i am dying because if there was anything that took me completely out of immersion in this book it was whoever they paid to do this Wookiee impersonation Mm. and the fact that this passed through the audio engineer and whoever was directing the audio (laughs) book. It was like, wow, they... They were really confident that Star mm-hmm. Wars was going to sell this audiobook all on its own, and I'm sure it did, but oh my gosh, dude, it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad, and and I have to be honest, I don't think there's been anything that's taken me and detached me out of an audio experience more than the terrible Wookiee dialect that I had to go through the other day. But And I had to send it to you because I was like, this is just so bad, oh, It's so bad. Dude, part of me thinks...
1: That guy had to be the standard. You know how everyone's got the understudy in a (laughs) play. I don't
0: know, man. I don't even think (laughs) that's worthy.
1: What if the actual Wookiee guy that day had laryngitis or came down with a little bit of something and was like, "Listen, Robbie is a great actor. He started vouching (laughs) for this guy. Like, (laughs) this guy's awesome. He's done." he's done voices for a bunch of different like he's going to stand in for me cuz you know he's got laryngitis he's going to stand yeah. in for me and so he gets up there it's Robbie's first day he's ready to impress everybody and he just brings that crap to the table was- and the audio engineer's got <laughs> I mean that audio engineer had to go we we've got nobody else like, we've got, no we got no one else so we've <laughs> got to roll with this
0: we can't wait for the laryngitis to heal no, this it, has to get done today
1: Yeah, exactly <laughs> the star wars fans are <laughs> expecting this they've got to get this out oh, today man. um but it's got to be it had to be one of those situations where it was like we called there was no one on the bench we called a guy up Hey, give me your Wookiees out. Okay, that's good enough. That's we'll, good enough. We'll, we'll put it in. We're at that point where good enough's
0: gonna have to do. <laughs> it was so bad, man. It was so bad. Like, oh, uh, but I'm I'm gonna stop beating up on Star Wars now because I'm gonna beat up on it in a couple in a couple more minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> but let me. What's going on with you, man? What's I'm going on some with haymakers, you? Haymakers, man. Am I
1: my favorite universe? But <laughs> so here's the thing, man. I, I am very blessed. I'm very lucky. I got the opportunity to get a new truck or not a new truck, my first truck ever. And so this truck came with a bunch of bells and whistles in it, man. It's got a screen. It's got, you know, heated seats. It's got all the 21st century luxuries you'd expect in a car nowadays. And I'm, I got real excited about this thing. And I what I got most excited about is the fact that I have GPS now on the screen in the middle of my car because for all of my life, when I had GPS, I would have to have my phone. And I never had one of those clips that you put on the vents in your car to kind of prop your phone up. I never had one of those because every time I had one, it broke. And so I always had to shove my phone into one of the cup holders just so it would be loud enough so I could hear it over the roaring of my engine so i'm really excited about this gps and so we take this truck and we we saw my grandpa this past weekend and he he was turning 90 which is a huge year you know the big 90 as they say and so we were driving out to see him and to go to the party and everything and i typed in the address to the gps and we're driving on the highway and i'm like the gps i gotta say It's not – it wasn't Google Maps. It wasn't even Apple, whatever they have. It was the old-school third-party GPS, okay? It was the one that you downloaded for free on a flip phone kind of GPS. And for me, I thought, surely this is a 2016 truck. By now, the technology has had to had to improve like this is as good as Google Maps when it first came out and Google Maps basically got you to where you were going. So we're driving along on the highway and it like dings. It's like, okay, you got to get off at this exit. I was like, that's we're not even like in Maryland, which is where we're going at this point. What is it? Was it doing? And so I kind of I drive past it. And so we're driving more longer get to the next exit it's like okay you got to turn left at the and, and so this thing's starting to like kind of give some false signals here and there but because i bought this truck i'm standing up for the gps you know it's my truck it's and leah's company. like it's you are GPS. missing it's my gps and leah's like you are you are missing exits and there i'm i'm telling you what man there are times <laughs> where this gps didn't didn't make a sound didn't there wasn't a peep from it <laughs> And all of a sudden, 10 minutes got added to our to our (laughs) ETA. It didn't didn't signal me at all. Like at first it was signaling to me when I didn't need to turn. And now it wasn't saying anything. It was like it went silent. It's like, fine, if you're not going to turn when I want you to turn, I'm done. And so like time's kind of just randomly getting at it. I'm not really paying attention to the time getting added. And so there was this whole debate this weekend between me and Leah about whether or not I was missing exits and adding time or whether she was reading a whole debate. It was a whole debate or whether she was just reading the GPS wrong and she just didn't realize this is actually how long it took. And so I stood up for this stupid thing the whole weekend man i I was like no i it got to a point where i got mad at lee and i was like you're reading the maps wrong like you're not even (laughs) like you don't even know you don't even know know. and i'm standing up for this gps so so the other day i'm I'm downtown this is kind of where the culmination of my gps woes hits its its peak man is i'm downtown and i want to go to the gym Mm -hmm. So I type in the gym's address, and I didn't know the actual address of the gym, so I just typed in the the name of the gym, and it popped up, and it popped up with the the street that I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that street. And so I go, so I get on the highway, I go towards the gym, and I noticed something was a little wrong, something was amiss when I got off at an exit. And I was like, ah, uh, okay, maybe this is just a faster way that I never knew about. And so I got off on an exit I don't usually take. And I'm driving down roads that I don't usually go. But I'm going in the direction of the gym. So I'm like, I'm going the right way. I'm going the right way. And this GPS is taking me through neighborhoods. And I'm like, oh, man, this is really fast. Like, i got to be cutting down time like crazy. (laughs) I'm going through neighborhoods. There you go. Yeah. And so it takes me to this road. And it's like, turn left here. And I look at the road. And it is gravel I'm like that is not even a that's not a road it's
0: taking you through a mega shortcut it is i was like well maybe this is the Off
1: road. shortcut maybe i've never noticed this and it was like like the whole road was flanked by trees and like i was it looked like a driveway from where i was mm-hmm. and i so i drove past it i'm like no it just take me a different way i don't want to go down that road well it has me do a u-turn and go back to the road. It's like, you are going down this road. And so I turn onto this road and it's all gravel. It's got huge potholes. And I mean, it's a truck. So I was like, oh, okay, I can go over this. But even the truck was like oh, 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 like going over these potholes. You can see the <laughs> – like I'm sure if you're standing beside it, you could see the shocks just <laughs> fully extending and slamming down. And I'm just like white knuckling it down this road. I'm like, this is – the best shortcut like this gps <laughs> has got to be still right trying to defend it man <laughs> trusted <in> it man <laughs> so i get to the end of this road and there is not a street on the other side let me tell you that there's a house and there's a tiny turnaround point in front of this house <laughs> and i hit i get to the turnaround point and the gps goes you have arrived I was like this is not the gym (laughs) like this is the opposite of where i wanted to be (laughs) i am now in the woods (laughs) on this gravel road not anywhere where i need to be and so i was at that point i was like i have to admit defeat but i did not want to tell leah so i when she listens to this episode she'll know that i've been wrong the whole time but
0: oh this is the reveal (laughs) this This is the reveal. reveal wow of the gps wow
1: well here's the thing i did so I turned around, got out of there. I'd never used the GPS again. Well, I found out I could connect my phone to the car, so now I use mm-hmm. Google Maps. Okay, and so as a way, <laughs> as a way of of like not really admitting that I was wrong, but kind of saying, "Hey, I changed my ways." is the next time she got in the truck, I was like, "Hey, look, I got I got the phone on the the screen now, and I hit the Google Maps button. I was like, I got Google Maps now, and she's like, "Oh, great!" So that was kind of my like. Hey, you yeah. know secret way of saying hey i changed my ways and hey, the yeah. gps was wrong all, all um, along but man dude i went down this road to nowhere and that's that was when i had to turn around i had to do a 29 point turn and this tiny little turnaround in this <laughs> truck that was fuming at that point I was, and then i put it into the actual gps and it was nowhere near what i wanted to be absolutely not even close to where i needed to be so <laughs> I was like, "This is stupid GPS." Uh, so, don't buy the off-brand GPS, man.
0: That reminds me of the Office episode where um, doesn't <laughs> Dwight drive the car into the water? Yeah, the GPS no, it's leads him into the water. Michael Scott. He's like, oh yeah, it's Michael Scott. Yeah, it's like, just <laughs> right, right
1: here. He's like, "No, no, Michael, there's no road here. There's no road." And he just <laughs> drives it. in. I drove my car into a lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, oh, man. That's what I felt like, though. Oh, and I'm sure after that, you 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 felt pretty fatigued. You probably were a little GPS fatigued after that, right? You maybe I was. maybe no longer entranced with the magic of the built-in car GPS, which are notoriously bad. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm glad I'm glad you stuck to it. But sometimes you just have to call it what it is, and you get fatigued, and and you got to move on from it. And so. In our next segment, we're going to be talking about franchise fatigue. Because at this point, we are on our third episode where we're talking about the MCU. And I'm not going to lie. I am I'm really excited about this. But also going through and editing these super duper long podcasts <laughs> is, very, is very tiring. Uh, the other ones I get through pretty quick. These ones uh, have to take a little bit longer I edit it two times speed So it still goes relatively fast Just longer than the other ones but I wanted to ask you, Zach, and, and I wanted to talk about in this podcast, and if any of you have ever gotten fatigued with a franchise, it could be a, a book franchise, movie franchise, video game franchise. I want you guys to reach out to us. You can either comment or you can reach out to us at SteelLakeStudio.com. Head over to our community tab. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll we'll read your responses on the show. But Zach, what is a franchise that you have just gotten fatigued of, just tired of, that no longer just had the same magic that it once did, or maybe mm. it never really had that magic, and eventually it was just really, really burdensome. What about what are you thinking, man? Have you ever had franchise fatigue? And the one rule that we are saying is that it can't be an MCU. It can't be MCU for this answer because uh, I'm going to talk about franchise fatigue in the MCU a little bit here. Yeah, um, so Zach. What about you, man? You have one?
1: Oh, do I have one, man? I'm gonna probably make some people upset with this one, but <laughs> man, I, I gotta say, turn the pot here. I stirred the pot, but I had this franchise fatigue at a very young age. So this wasn't later in life. I later became a huge fan, but like I was a fan, fell off for a while, and then I came roaring back. And I was I was one of rip those guys roaring. that rip roaring back. I was one of the guys that pre-ordered the final book. So if that wasn't a dead giveaway, I have franchise fatigue with Harry Potter, dude. I understandable. I read one, two and three and love them. Actually three is one of my favorite ones. So it's it was strange that I got it fatigued around this time, but it was about the time the fourth book came out and I remember the books just kept growing every time they came out. They just got bigger and bigger and longer. And I got to the fourth book and by far the biggest book I had at that time was some goosebump book. So seeing this huge book come out, the fourth Harry Potter book, Goblet of Fire, I was like, this thing is this is going to take me my entire life to read. And so I started reading it and I made it through – the the first probably 10 15% of the book and i remember i was reading it at school for quiet reading time for class and i remember just stopping and looking up and thinking to myself i don't really like this <laughs> i was like i don't kind of <laughs> done with harry potter for
0: a little just bit done with this school. i was like
1: I'm done with all of this. I'm tired of reading about wizard school in school. Like this is I want to escape. And so I put the book down for a long time, man. I mean, a long time. I don't think I picked it up again until maybe. Maybe my freshman year of high school, it might have been. So it was it was a while before I picked that book up again. And then unfortunately, man, my least favorite book is the fifth book. And so really I, the fifth I, is your least favorite. The order of the Phoenix is my least favorite one. I think it's because Worse Harry chamber
0: of the secrets chamber of secrets.
1: Ah, that's tough, man. Because here's the deal. I chamber of secrets. Was okay because it had a lot of potential and it just didn't deliver. I just c- couldn't take Harry. In book five, he's becoming Uh, a teenager, which is a testament to her writing, I think, because she could write a teenager to the point where you're just like, I can't even stand this guy. (laughs) He's just too much of a teenager. So for me, the fifth book is one of my least favorites, maybe not my least absolute least favorite, but it's definitely bottom two. And so I get through the fourth book. I'm like, okay, that was actually pretty good. But then you pick up the fifth for me and I was like, oh, this is just another book that i just don't so i have franchise fatigue for two books in a row man two books in a row eventually got through the fifth book i don't know when because then i remember the half-blood prince being awesome the half-blood Loved
0: prince it. is very good yeah
1: so like all of a sudden i was back in it again which made me absolutely love the seventh book but for for a while there going from fourth to fifth book, man, I was done with Harry Potter. I got tired of it. And then what made it kind of worse. And I think I just kind of rebelled against Harry Potter Potter when it became super ultra famous and movies were coming out and mm-hmm. bobbleheads were out and everywhere you looked there was Harry Potter. I think Stinking I just kind of bobbleheads ruin everything. Yeah, I just, I rebelled, man. I was like, I, I don't want to read it just for the sake of being that guy that didn't read Harry Potter. Yeah. But I eventually got sucked back in, but mm. Yeah man, for me, Harry Potter
0: was that. I got I got burnt out on on Harry Potter. I understand, man. I can I can honestly say that by the time uh the last Harry Potter movie came out, I didn't watch either one of the Deathly Hallows films. And to this day, I still haven't seen the second part. Of Are you Death serious? I I'm very serious. I I I felt like with Harry Potter once it got to, once the books were done and they were making movies, I didn't feel a necessity to see the movies. It was like, well, I mean, I know how it goes. I mean, yeah. they're not going to drastically change the direction of the the films, and yeah, I just I didn't find a, a reason to go see them after six. And Six was kind of a disappointing movie to me if I remember because it was a book I liked so much and I felt like the yeah. film did not nearly live up to how good the sixth book was. Um, yeah, yeah. But for me, man, I might I might upset you a little bit here with my answer on where <laughs> I got franchise fatigue because it is your all-time favorite. Yeah. And that is with Star Wars. Um, mm. Star Wars is... Is probably one of those intellectual properties that I got franchise fatigue because of my own self more than the films or more than the marketing or whatever. But here's what happened. Yeah. And I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast. I was never a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan. I always liked the movies. I enjoy watching the movies. I have good memories of watching the movies. I had the toys and all of that, but I was never, I was never a huge Star Wars fan, right? I, I would take high fantasy over Star Wars any day of the week, right? Give me, give me a sword and a shield. You keep your blaster and your lightsaber, and and that's just me. That's just that was my my genre of yeah. preference. And so Star Wars was never really a huge huge thing for me. But when they announced The Force Awakens, I was actually starting to get pretty hyped for Star Wars to come back because I remember just really really wanting to know what happened after after the events of Return of the Jedi, right? I was more interested in that than I was in the prequels. Um, mm. The prequels, I thought, were fun movies. And as a kid, I know I liked them. But I was definitely more interested in like what was going to happen next. And so, very hyped for The Force Awakens. And so, I started to just like gobble up all of the ridiculous Star Wars merchandise. Right? I bought that yeah. really big expensive imperial assault board game that i could hardly ever get to the table but i was just excited that it existed and i had it and <laughs> i would try and get people to play this game all the time i remember like texting yeah. my friends non-stop like hey anybody free this weekend to play this like five hour board game <laughs> no okay uh, oh, why not uh, i'll try i'll try again in a couple weeks <laughs> so <laughs> so bought into that. I got super excited about the first um, or the seventh film. Uh, saw Force Awakens in theaters. Thought it was like it was fun. It was like Star Wars re- researched. I was a little I was a little concerned about the characters. If I'm going to be completely honest, I was like, ah, oh, they all kind of felt really like flat to me. But mm. I was still like, hey, the story was good. The action was enjoyable. It was fun. I had a good time at the cinema. My wife liked it. It was a good time. And so, then I started playing this Star Wars card game called Star Wars Destiny and was started to get <laughs> into that. And I was like, okay, this is this is fun, right? And I'm trying to get all my friends into that. And that was somewhat of a success. Um, mm-hmm. More than Imperial Assault. And so, like, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, all the Star Wars stuff going on. And I'm kind of, like, buying into it. I'm like, I'm having fun with the cultural zeitgeist of it. And then The Last Jedi comes out and I go, see, the movie and I remember getting in like a heated debate with my wife I was like yeah, it was a good movie right and she was like no no it was not I didn't like it not and and so I'm starting mm. to get a little defensive at this point because because I'm like no it was good it was like it was one of the better ones and I was trying to convince myself that The Last Jedi was much better than it was and so I remember, like I, I walked away from it thinking it was pretty good. I, I I kind of liked some of the some of the dice that they rolled with the story. Um, yeah, and I remember even talking to you about it afterwards. Like, hey man, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to see it again in the theaters with a friend of mine, and watching it a second time, I was like, what the heck? This movie is. <laughs> this movie is so boring like it's just (laughs) boring right and Mm. so then you know there's like a divide of people who want to stand on the hill of the last jedi being great and then people who think it's the worst movie of all time and so like there's this thing where the star wars fandoms just imploding and and so like the drama around star wars got exhausting like because of like you know, search algorithms and all that stuff. All this stuff was always coming in on my YouTube feed and, like, yeah. suggested things. And it was getting exhausting to me. And so after that, I was like, oh, I'm just, like, so tired of Star Wars. Um, mm. Ended up still seeing Rise of Skywalker. Thought it was a fine film. Thought it was uh, enjoyable enough. People who smash that film to pieces, I think, are being a little... A uh, little disingenuous. Like, it's by no means a great movie, but I could argue from a storytelling perspective, a lot of Star Wars films have their flaws. And, <laughs> um, I mean, go back to the original three, man. Everyone makes fun of those all the time. Yeah. They're flawed all over the place. They're flawed, but they were innovative, right? Whereas the new ones are flawed, but not innovative. And yeah. I think that's where you can start to, like, shatter them. Like, for me, Star Wars has always been escapism watching things in space happen interesting yeah. in and out right like i yeah. didn't i didn't need star wars to satisfy me if a star wars movie was bad it wasn't going to ruin my childhood because yeah. my childhood was built around having good friends and a good family and and i understand not everybody had that right so people attached to the intellectual property much larger who might, you know, like that was where they found their satisfaction in, you know, some, yeah. some escapism. And I get that. Like I, I do and I sympathize with that. For me, though, like if a, if a movie's bad, it's not going to ruin my past. My past is my past and it was good. Um, but I just got exhausted with all the drama and and I get exhausted with like a lot of the stuff that's going on with Star Wars now. And it's like every time I hear about Star Wars, it's like, oh, wow. So now we're finding out that Lucasfilm is a divided studio of two different ideals of Star Wars. Well, that's just dumb. Um, Mm. That's not healthy at all. Um, So anyway, franchise fatigue, Star Wars, it's it's one of those things where it's like you're kind of coming to terms with the reality that it's not really going to be something that's targeted at guys like you and I. Um, at least in, yeah. the, in the films and in the publishing that they're doing now, which is fine. You know, that's fine. You know, going for a different audience. Um, it's just kind of exhausting how there are some people who just make it exhausting. That's all I'll say. Um, mm. so, <laughs> so. dude. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is star Wars.
1: It, it's kind it's exhausting because it, it's not like it took place over 10 years. This was a franchise that took place over 30 or 40 years. And so it was just, it hung around a long time. You had the older generation hyping it up and then you had episode one, two, and three come out, which were kind of generally a disappointment. And then you had for our generation, you know, seven, eight, nine come out and the, for better or worse, those were also kind of a disappointment. So yeah, like you said, like, I think the fatigue, the, what added to the fatigue was the fact that the movies just always ended up not exceeding or even reaching expectations, which I don't know if that's star Wars fault or if it's the fans fault, but it just always seems to fall short, which I think kind of just adds to the fatigue of star Wars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so now we're going to we're gonna quickly do a little Steel Lake Studio news update for you guys before we get into our main topic of Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3. And just want to share with you guys, if you can, head over to SteelLakeStudio.com and check out what we have going on over there. We're trying to be a little bit more active on YouTube. We're putting clips of this podcast up. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time, it would be so awesome if you recommended it to a friend or if you gave us a rating over on Apple Podcast or if you gave us a thumbs up if you're listening on YouTube and you like what we do that would be super duper appreciated Uh, just spreading the word spreading the love And we would honestly love to hear back from you guys. You can, if you're watching on YouTube, comment on the video or go to steellegestudio.com slash community to our community tab and write into us. It could be something you'd like us to say on the show, something that we're doing right. If we ever get information wrong, I love it when people prove us wrong. It's always entertaining to me because I always laugh at myself when I'm wrong. Um, It's (laughs) something I think is is fun to do if you can't laugh at yourself when you're wrong i would suggest giving it a try it makes it makes life a lot happier and mm. um <laughs> also while you're there go to steel dot slash books and you will be greeted with some pretty cool stuff zach do you want to tell our audience what they might find if they check out our books over at steel lake studio yeah, you're going
1: to find the Terra Town series lurking on the books page of Steel Lake Studio. Terra Town is a middle grade series for, you know, nine to 12 year olds. But right now, the second book in the series, Something Strange at Grandma's House, is out. It is the newest installment of the Terra Town series. So go check those out. Um, I'll, I will tease this a little bit. Ooh, I like teases. The next book is in editing process right now. So the Terror Town series does not end after two. Ooh, there are at least nice. there at least will be a third book. It's currently being edited. But right now we have uh, Nightmare at the Fair and Something Strange at Grandma's House. They're not a series in the sense that you have to read them in chronological order. You can pick them up and read them as standalone novels. But it does help to read the other ones because there are little hints throughout the books that kind of tie in the world of Oakville Creek, which is where all these books take place. But they're middle grade horror novels, but they got a lot of humor in them. I'm not here to scare the pants off your kids. I'm just here to have a good time, make them laugh and then introduce, you know, maybe a zombie here
0: or A, a, a genie or a ghost there so yeah it's fun scary it's fun scary i'm exactly. i am currently about halfway through something strange at grandma's house i was a little bit late getting to reading it but i am enjoying it very much so far and i can say objectively that it is an improvement over um, nightmare mm. at the fair so zach kudos. Good job, man. You you. have progressed and done a phenomenal job. Super proud of you and audience. If you guys read nightmare at the fair, you will very much enjoy something strange at grandma's house. Thanks, man. Thank you. Of course. Of course. And now we're going to transition into our main topic for today. Today we are talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3 as we continue on in our epic journey of podcasting through the Marvel Cinematic Universe and giving all of our thoughts. We're going to do a little trivia. We're going to be sharing the breakdown of uh, the first six movies in Phase 3. And then we're going to have a part two, which will come out next week, where we'll break down the last six movies of Phase 3. And then probably not touch a superhero movie for a very long time on this podcast. (laughs) So if you really, really like superheroes and you really want us to do something from the DC universe, um, you're going to have to write in on the community tab and be very nice because I'm getting a little burnt out of people (laughs) who wear capes and masks, if I'm going to be completely honest. I've enjoyed it covering all this stuff, but holy cow, watching in the... Dozens of movies with superheroes in them over the last month has been yeah. has been a journey, and uh, I I, I want to go over some trivia from Phase Three. So Phase Three took place in between 2016 and 2019. Something that I want to point out: we don't really get very political on this show. And I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to point out that in this era, this is when we had, you know, the Trump administration. President Donald Trump was the president. And I think because of this guy being our president who was divisive, whether you liked him or you didn't, I don't think you can argue that he was a divisive figure in culture and society. But what we can say is that it is in times like these that I think it's very important for our storytelling to be things that are unifying. And, and mm-hmm. I do think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something that many people in many stages of life with many different opinions with many different skin colors and many different backgrounds all enjoyed. And so I think what was nice about the MCU having a really, really strong push in phase three during a time where, you know, you just needed that escapism the MCU provided that, provided a needed escapism from events of the real world because it just seemed like every time you turned on a screen or you started a conversation just things could get very heated uh, Mm. if you turned down a certain path. So this is when storytelling is at its best, when you can just talk about the story and that's what we're going to do. And I I think something that we learned during Phase 3 is that even with Star Wars returning back to the big screen in 2 2015, I think a lot of us, myself included, thought that, hey, Star Wars is going to come back. It's going to be the king of cinema. I was not expecting for Marvel to come out as the reigning king of cinema, but it was an unbeatable giant at the box office. In fact, the entire phase three made big, big, big money. In the 11 movies or 12 movies that are in phase three, it grossed thirteen point five oh four billion dollars worldwide. That Whew. is over. That's averaging over a billion dollars per film, and that is absolutely insane. That's crazy. Whew. Like like that is that's a lot of money. And so <laughs> that's insane. And so just seeing that the MCU uh, from two thousand sixteen to two thousand nineteen outperformed Star Wars. And it's just huge. Now, yes, there were more films, but I mean, it's Star Wars, guys, like a huge franchise. Mm. Um, But I do want to point out as well, as we're on the topic of Star Wars, we mentioned in our last episode that there was some homage paid to The Empire Strikes Back with some arms and hands being cut off in various different movies. And the cutting off of limbs continues in phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Starting off in Captain America Civil War, Iron Man, he destroys Winter Soldier's prosthetic arm with his Unibeam, which is a scene that I actually enjoyed from that movie, making those losers, Winter Soldier and Captain America, get what they deserve. And... And then in Doctor Strange, uh, his left arm is engulfed by his hands and his illusion. Uh, I, I think that one's kind of cheating a little bit. I mean, he does mm. he loses use to both of his hands, which I think is also uh, an homage. In Black Panther, uh, Black Panther removes Ulysses' claws, prosthetic arm while restraining him. He has a vibranium arm that he removes. In Infinity War, Wong cuts off Call Obsidian's left arm by closing his sling ring in the portal. Mm -hmm. And then in Endgame, Thor cuts off Thanos' left arm to stop him from using the Infinity Gauntlet while the Avengers were attacking him on the garden. And then he cuts off his head as well. Um, So, the homage to Star Wars continued. Um. Uh, just an, another fact is there are 11 films in total in phase 3 of the MCU and it's the first phase to have more than 6 films mm. um, a, another interesting thing is we see Spider-Man make it to the big screen in the MCU for the very first time which I think yeah. was very exciting for a lot of fans Spider-Man is Marvel's main hero but Sony has the film rights to spider-man so they had to enter into an agreement with the marvel cinematic universe in order to allow spider-man to appear in the mcu and they reached an agreement on february 9th 2015 Uh, on their official website saying that they've partnered with Sony Pictures to allow Spider-Man to appear in the MCU. And then it was revealed that Tom Holland had been cast as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and would appear in Civil War. That's the first film that we saw Spider-Man in the MCU was in Civil War. And so that was a big-time thing to happen. Two movie studios combining and kind of split it. I know they split profits in, in a certain way. I think on the Spider-Man films, Sony got like a, like a majority share of the profits, and Marvel got a smaller share. But uh, nice to see Spider-Man coming into the MCU in phase three. Yeah. So Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, all new heroes introduced in the third phase of of the MCU, the Mm. most new heroes that we have seen introduced since the first phase of the MCU. And unless you count all the members of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, I guess you could do that, but I'm not. Yeah. So I just want to talk, before we get into covering each individual film our personal thoughts on these phase three films and maybe a little bit about what was going on in our own lives as we were taking these in. And Zach, since I've been talking over the trivia for a while, why don't you go ahead and talk about your overarching thought about phase three of the MCU before we start covering these individually.
1: Oh man. All right. So the MCU for phase three for me, gotta go back to what? 2016. So, Mm -hmm. As we just discussed before, franchise fatigue was setting in pretty, pretty heavy with me. I think Civil War for me was one of the last Marvel movies I saw before I took a very long break. I think up until now, and even though I know we talked about we kind of saw things later. I mean, a lot of the movies that came out in the second phase I was in Korea for. I know I mentioned that a billion times in the last episode, but 2016 I was back on American soil. I was living out in Pittsburgh. I think I saw civil war. Uh, I saw it in theaters and I just, I wasn't excited for it. I went and saw it, but I remember the trailers. I remember phase three kicking off with this. And the one thing I do remember is sitting in the movie theater i was i was sitting in the theater for a different movie at the time but the civil war the civil war trailer came on and there was that scene where tony and cap are fighting each other and he says that real dramatic line like or iron man says that real dramatic line of like i thought you were my friend or something like that and he he, like cuts and fades to black and some girl in the audience was like oh my gosh and i will always remember that for the rest (laughs) of my life just because she was just so surprised that tony stark (laughs) would like be betrayed by captain america or vice versa and she it was like dead silent after it she's like oh my gosh (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> totally out of left field so i'll always remember that and even at that i was like i'm not like come on lady that's not that surprising and also i'm not that excited for this movie so for me franchise fatigue was setting in pretty hard i i think this, was, this might have been the year two i went and saw like um the power rangers movie by myself mm. just to, oh, just 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 to, to watch go. And see a different superhero movie, man. Like I was just so tired of Marvel, and I was tired of DC completely screwing up everything they did. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see a DC movie. I I'm tired of Marvel. Oh, okay. I'll go see Power Rangers. So, yeah. I, I for me, it was just a phase of my life where it was going to take a lot for me to get back into superheroes i took a long break from superheroes actually i kind of contradict myself here because this was also the time that i got into comic books i got back into collecting the comic books so i was can't I go think wrong I was with wor- some of that source material though it's, yeah i think i was yeah. just fatigued from the movies man yeah. just like i was tired of marvel movies but i wasn't tired of the idea of superheroes. I right, was right. just kind of looking for a different source because this was also the time I got into graphic novels and I was reading lots of different graphic novels, which like, yeah, they're not superheroes, but it's got that feel and they can kind of be argued to be superheroes. And so I I just wanted a different Avenue of consuming my superheroes. And so for me, MCU three was just after I saw civil war, which I enjoyed, but i was like i'm going to be done for a while so mm-hmm. that's kind of where my my mindset was coming into the 2016 and especially after civil war but how about you man
0: what were you feeling um so so basically at this stage in life um i was 2016 to 2019 were three of the most difficult years in my life um because I was extremely busy. Just I had more things going on than a how old was I? 25. Than a 25-year-old man should really be having going on. And mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of stress, was was doing a lot of things. I had a family that was not getting the right amount of attention. So really movies in general uh were not a, not a priority to me. Uh just like I would rent a lot of movies, I would fall asleep during them and they just I I would wake up, I'd go to work, I would then work another job and then I'd work on grad school and it, it was crazy. And so during this phase I do remember being pretty excited about Civil War. Uh, Didn't really like the movie. We'll get into that when we cover Civil War in depth. And that's when I started to feel like franchise fatigue. I had felt like especially with Civil War that they had an opportunity to really progress the MCU to make it very interesting. But ultimately they they just didn't um, live up to the expectations I had going into this. Mm. Um, So I will say that after seeing Civil War, I did not see another Marvel movie in theaters, in theaters until Endgame. Um, wow. So I. No, I'm sorry. That's not true. I think I went to see uh, Captain Marvel in theaters, I think. Because mm. um, once I saw Infinity War. On home release, I was much more encouraged by the MCU again. Because that's a very good movie. We're not going to talk about it this episode, but it's a very good movie. And so I can say that franchise fatigue was fully set in for me with the third phase of the MCU. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the the disappointment that I experienced with Civil War. Which is a totally subjective thing. There's a lot of people who like this movie. And... Uh, a lot of people think it's a pretty good movie, and I would I would argue that the reason I didn't like it was because I had I loved the Civil War comic line, the yeah. Civil War storyline in the Marvel comics. I thought was very good. I thought it was very emotional, and I thought it was very. Um, gray and and where they took the movie was not necessarily the direction i wanted it to go and i just don't think it landed i I don't think it landed for a lot of reasons which we're going to talk about now because we're going to transition into talking about the first film in phase three of the mcu captain america civil war Hmm. so here's some stats for you the stats are actually making civil war look like it's a pretty good movie um, in the box office, it got $1.15 billion, which is great. Great box office. That's 22nd all-time. Critical reception, it got 75 on Metacritic and sitting at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning that 90% of critics said that this movie is worth your popcorn and overpriced drinks and candy. Uh, as far as the audience goes, on Metacritic, they gave it an 83 89% of people liked it on Rotten Tomatoes, and on IMDb, it's sitting at a 7.8. A couple of fun facts for you guys about Captain America Civil War is this film coincides with the 75th anniversary of Captain America, the 10th anniversary of the original Civil War comic book, and Black Panther's 50th anniversary. And this, wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. This next fun fact... I
1: didn't know that... Sorry, I was just going to say, I didn't know that Civil War comic book came out that recently.
0: Yeah, yeah, 2000, 2006. That's a
1: pretty recent... Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, the art in
1: it is amazing and everything, but yeah. it's just... I expected it to be a lot older, a little That's
0: cool, a, yeah. But I, and I think it was because it was one of those storylines that was an instant classic. Like there is a couple of storylines uh. that Marvel did very well. I, I and in recent years, as far as like the super duper recent, like super duper recent comic books are starting to get into the realm of of just it doesn't make sense why they're doing what they're doing anymore, but. You had Civil War, which was great, and then a couple years later, you had um, X-Men versus Avengers, which is another amazing storyline, uh, mm. which I would love to see brought to screen one day. I would like to see him at least try it. I don't know if they'd do it right, but I'd love to see him try. Uh, this is an interesting fun fact about Captain America Civil War, and I think this is ultimately why... Civil War was disappointing to me because this right here shows that it was a force-fed movie. They, Mm. In my opinion, they were trying to basically get another Avengers movie without calling it Avengers, okay? That's, That's my opinion. They wanted to bring all the characters into a movie or as many as they could get and as many as they could attain because they saw that it makes money, and I don't think that this was the direction that the writers wanted to go. And let's read the fun fact. Screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely's original idea for this movie was a vastly different and much smaller film without the other Avengers. But Hmm. producer Kevin Feige suggested they adapt Civil War instead. Certain parts of their original idea still made it into the movie, such as the emphasis on Steve and Bucky's relationship, as well as the use of Baron Zemo as the villain. And this is this is something I think is always. You know, I'm sure it happens in the movie business a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you're forcing inspiration on your writers, I think you're just not going to get a very inspired film, right? Um, I think you always mm. get better stories when people write what they care about, right? Because they're not just doing it as a job; they're doing it as like, "Hey, this is this is where it should go. This is what logically makes sense." Um, And so, it seems like the Civil War storyline was kind of forced in there because it would be—it was like it was one of those things where you throw the concept out there, and you knew it was going to make gobs of cash, right? Captain America versus Iron Man, throwing a bunch of other Avengers. Everyone's going to take a side. It was just destined Mm -hmm. to make a bunch of money, right? Uh, With how successful the MCU had already been. And so, Hmm. anyway, uh, there's some information, some stats about it. So, Zach, do you want to go into your initial impact a little bit more? You started to touch on it a little bit, but what were you feeling when you first saw this movie the first time?
1: Yeah, I just, for me, personally, superhero movies that involve pitting one superhero, well-known superhero, against another well-known superhero, and they're both considered quote-unquote good guys just doesn't really do it for me because in a comic book, in a novel, in even a TV series, you can really explore the ideas of these characters. You can really get into their background, what makes them tick. You can really dive into the psychology of these two characters, which then makes them fighting each other a plausible and be way more impactful. And so I kind of came into Civil War knowing, look, they've got two, two and a half hours to cram some division between the two flagship names of the MCU, Iron Man and Captain America. They somehow got to figure out a plausible way within, let's be honest, the first five minutes of the movie. Probably. Really less than that, but they gotta figure out some way to make them at odds, which is gonna seem forced. It's gonna be too quick. You're not gonna really wrap your head around it. And even if you do, you're gonna be like, well, oh, this is a little empty. So when I first saw it, I didn't I hadn't read Civil War at the time, like the actual comic book. I just I I just intuitively I don't like superheroes that fight each other like this. It didn't work for Batman versus Superman doesn't work for this one for me it's just not ever a good idea to do this on screen at least it's in a movie so i saw it and i just remember the whole time thinking like this just like this isn't really believable like, like they just sit down for five minutes and they kind of sit down but like they don't really talk they just are like you got to do it my way no i'm not doing it your way well then okay like that's kind of the whole talk of of them and it's just I didn't really believe like Captain America, like to me, even sitting in a theater, I was like, Tony Stark makes a really good point, a really compelling point. You are unchecked, basically weapons of mass destruction, just walking around in general. Mm-hmm. And Captain America is like, but we got to do, but we got to be free. Like they're going to tell. And I guess it, he does bring up a fair point. And I, I can't cause now that I've read civil war, I kind of mix the two when I think about it, but he brings up the point of like saying, it's only a matter of time before the government tells us who the bad guy is. And I think he makes that point in both the comic and the movie. And so I think that's his most compelling point, but then he moves immediately away from that to being like, we have to be good because I have to protect Bucky. We've got to, Uh, like not work for the government because Bucky's my friend. Like he just, he's got to protect his friend for no reason other than this guy barely remembers me, but he's my friend. And so for me, the whole movie was just a lot of, like you said, force fed stuff. You just were like, you have to be on captain America's side. You have to question Iron Man. So I just remember leaving the theater going, yeah, I'm disappointed, but I kind of expected to be disappointed. So I'm really not all that hurt by this movie or I'm not really like, I I didn't have a strong opinion in the sense that I kind of, my, my expectations, which were very low were met. Mm -hmm. And so I know based on the stats and what a lot of people say, especially like my wife, she loves this movie so far. (laughs) She's only halfway through it, but but we, uh, or I, I just had really low expectations, man. So okay. this kind of didn't exceed them. It just kind of met them. I was like, oh, yep, that's just how it happened. So I don't know. What did you think, man?
0: What was your initial impact? Um, so for this movie, I was super pumped to see it because I love the Civil War comic line. I, I loved it. Uh, it was. it's one of the few graphic novels I, I went out and, and bought and, and wanted to own because I had read a friend's copy and I was like, that was so good, I'll read it again. Which for graphic novels is saying something. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of read them and then you just, you either, because I would get a lot of graphic novels from the library, right? Because I know that I'll probably never read them again. Um, mm. I'm not a collector of comics or, or any of that. Um, but anyway... I was super pumped for this movie, and I wanted to see it with my wife, right? I was like, oh, they're bringing Civil War to the screen. I, I've I've always liked the ideology of of Iron Man versus Captain America and how they both have different ideas of what is right, and you can kind of decide which one is right. And it's kind of up to you based on, on your thought. Because, see, at least in the comics, they don't basically force you to think one person is good or bad until some things develop. Then it's like, okay, then there's a clear enemy. Um, and they've kind of been pitted against each other by, um, you know, a greater evil, a much more believable evil than what they do in the movie. Um, and and so I was like, God, this is going to be good. So anyway, my wife thought it'd be a great idea. Her sister was in town visiting and uh, she was like, you know what, I. It, what if what if I stay home with the kids and you take you know my sister to go see the movie and I was like, "What <laughs> I guess and so so anyway i I ended up having to go see this movie with somebody who don't get me wrong, family, but you know I love seeing yeah. these movies with my wife, and then we'd talk about them we'd compare them to the other movies. It was kind of like a thing for us. And so it was just kind of disappointing. First of all, I was there basically watching the movie, only enjoying it on my own. Uh, my sister-in-law was, like, texting the whole movie anyway, and it's like, oh, jeez. My well oh, just gone by yeah. myself. And... uh <laughs> And then and then the plot twist happens where it's like Baron Zemo is has basically pitted these two against each other and it was I hate I hate the mastermind who manipulates characters against each other thing because it's just it's just not believable to me. Like I just Mm. Like, that whole thing was he's one dude who lost his family. Like, how did he get so much power and how did he get so smart and how did he get so much Uh, so many assets in such a little amount of time to be able to do that. Like, you know, like that that was the thing that was hard for me to suspend my disbelief. The way they take it in the comics, I believe, I can't... It's a bigger organization who is kind of behind them, behind Mm -hmm. the whole thing, which makes more sense, right? Kind of like the whole Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. thing in Winter Soldier makes more sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Anyway, uh, also, I couldn't get behind Captain America's motivations uh, in the film. They were not properly proportioned to Iron Man's. Iron Man was concerned with registering their superpowers because of the fact that Hundreds, if not thousands, had been killed due to what they had done. Captain America just doesn't want them to kill his friend. And it's like, dude, I I get it, I understand, but your friend's also been a terrorist for 70 years. Like this is killing people. You have saved the world with these friends of yours, you know, multiple times over at this point. This guy you fought in the war with, you grew up, I get it, I understand, but he's also been a terrorist for 70 years. I don't care if you think he was brainwashed or not, you know, I think these guys probably have your best interest in mind right now, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So the motivations of Captain America are just hard to get behind, and you're supposed to sympathize with them, and you're supposed to sympathize with the Winter Soldier and Bucky Barnes and all that, and it's like, I just don't. Um, I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so this was the most disappointed I'd ever been with an MCU movie uh and I had kind of sworn off going and seeing them in the theaters cuz I was like, well, that was a lot of money to spend for a movie that kind of was disappointing. And mm. it was obvious to me that the franchise had was starting to get very formulaic with kind of how um you know, you went from Ultron to Civil War, they felt like very very similar movies. Um yeah. Yeah. And, and so for me It was just, like, that was my overall initial appeal. Super disappointed. I can say that it was the most disappointed I had been with an MCU movie because the Civil War storyline in the comics is very, very good and very emotional. I think that's another thing they didn't do in, um, you know, Civil Wars. They didn't give you an emotional gut punch, right? Like, sure, you can say that um, War Machine gets paralyzed, but that's great but you just know he's going to be okay right you just know that mm-hmm. like they should have had somebody die as bleak as that sounds that should have been the stakes of the film like one of yeah their- there's no dire loss yeah, man
1: they like they, civil war the comics actually has a huge guy die literally yeah.
0: and also a main character right. dies yeah a main character dies a beloved character who is friends to all of them is killed you know mm-hmm. and and I, I believe it's uh, um, Giant Man, right? Giant Man's the one who dies. Uh, yeah, kill, Colossus. Killed by, killed or by Thor. This,
1: or, or Clone Thor or whatever, which is like another yeah. element to it. It's like it's kind of Tony's fault. And I mean the Fantastic Four are in the, the Civil War comic. But it's like there. it's Tony and I can't remember the guys. Mr. Fantastic, his actual Reed name. Richards. But, Reed Richards yeah it's it's their fault for not programming cloned thor the right way and they end up killing in a big fight between the two sides the big giant guy that everyone loves yeah and so like that in itself of itself raises the stakes incredibly where i mean having a guy paralyzed when literally tony has robots that fly and do their own thing it's not really a huge loss to be honest yeah
0: yeah so so anyway that was my initial impact um go ahead zach give us your lasting appeal here for this one have you changed your mind about it since seeing it the first time um
1: i've changed my mind in the sense that i like seeing all the characters get together um it's always fun when you have all the marvel superheroes on the screen but it's not my favorite still it's it's a lot lower on my list of of this phase because once again dude it's just it's just i don't like movies (laughs) that for me it's it's more simple it's just i don't like movies that pit obvious good guys against each other that at the end of the day it's going to be some shadowy bad guy that's making the two good guys fight because you're starting off the entire third phase with these two fighting it's obviously not going to go that way yeah because you have 11 movies which we didn't know were planned at the time but we knew they had the infinity saga planned Mm -hmm. like we knew they weren't going to kill each other or be divided for long. So it's still, it's, it's a good attempt. I, I gotta say, I don't want to just crap on it the whole time, but it's a, it's a good attempt. It's a, it's a fair shake at that style of movie. And it's definitely the most successful attempt at the good guy versus good guy story that we've had. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, I haven't changed my opinion all too much. It's definitely my, one of my least favorites of the, Phase three, but um, I would say it's it's gone up since the first time I've seen it. But how about you? Uh
0: yeah, I would say that this is still a movie that I would say is enjoyable. It's enter it's entertaining, I should say. Um I don't wanna I don't want my disappointment with it to cloud my objectivity. I still think that there's a lot in this movie that is good. I I think that there is a lot in the performances that's very good this is probably one of the better acted MCU movies um in my opinion uh, i think that a lot of the characters handle the conflict between one another really well i i liked seeing the dynamic of them choosing a side and actually being against each other um, I liked that dynamic. Uh, I think it was too much to add two new characters in this movie. They added Spider Man and Black Panther. They probably should have mm-hmm. just picked one. Um, given more time to the story, given less time to Spider Man and Black Panther, uh, probably even given less time to like Vision and Wanda in this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. I. I think they were important characters to have in it because, right, they're the two most powerful on either side, but both still learning their ways around their powers, yada, da mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I, I would have liked to have been very focused and then also still can't get behind the fact that, oh, they're in prison on the RAF prison and Captain America just somehow gets there on his own and defeats all these guys <laughs> and gets them out. Yeah. Like, it's an underwater prison. How did he get there? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh hey it's Captain America let's just let him in guys you know it's like, <laughs> yeah um, no I agree I think they added to we're gonna see this
1: too I think in phase three until at least you know end game is they start adding a lot of new characters that yeah you, you gotta give them screen time because they're major players in the game yep
0: yeah. yep yeah. But as far as lasting appeal, that's basically it for me. Uh, that's probably the one we'll spend the longest on here in Phase 3 uh, because I think yeah. both of us felt very strongly of it. Uh, lastly, I will say, I do remember us talking about this while having a burger night at my house um, mm-hmm. all those years yeah. ago, and that's when I introduced you to the comic and hopefully changed your mind about the Civil War story. Um, I will say I love the comic, man. It's very good. It very. is good.
1: It is but good. hey... Let's move on to one of my favorites. Yeah. Man. Go ahead. Let's get it. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, man. It So stats here. Box office. Oh, 676 million, you know, did all right. I would say that's pretty good for the style of movie it was. Um, it's 131st of all time. The critical reception, Metacritic gave it a 72 Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 89%. And then the audience score, Metacritic gave it an 8.1. Hey, that's pretty good. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 85%. And IMDb gave it 7.5. So all around, man. A pretty solid movie mm-hmm. a pretty good movie man and i i enjoyed this one why don't you give us the fun
0: facts a fun fact is that benedict cumberbatch had a scheduling conflict and was unsure of whether or not he'd be able to film this movie in fact originally if it would have released in july of 2016 as they planned he would not have been able to be doctor strange so their backup for Doctor Strange was Joaquin Phoenix. Oh yes, he was the second choice. Uh, but after a few months of deliberation, he eventually turned down the offer due to his reluctance to do a multi-picture deal that was required by the studio if he signed on. And so oh, they ended up moving. Gosh. They ended up moving the film to back to November 2016. And I just got to ask you, man, could you imagine Joaquin Phoenix as Doctor Strange? Because personally. I cannot like no. seeing seeing how the movies went and seeing Joaquin Phoenix play that role. I just
1: I don't see it, man. Not at all. Not the Joker, man. That that would have been a <laughs> very different role for him. Very yeah. different. No, I could not. That would have been a wild, man. That would have been a that would have taken <laughs> Doctor Strange a completely different direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I I agree. Um but I just thought that was such an interesting thing. Joaquin Phoenix was the backup. That is crazy. Uh but man, tell me you said you this is one of your favorites of phase three. Tell me about it because um I probably think differently than you on this one.
1: Yeah. So I heard about so this was during my break of the MCU. And I had heard about this movie because at this time, I was studying to get my master's in digital storytelling from Asbury University. And I remember in one of my classes, one of my film classes, the teacher mentioned that the director or one of the assistant directors of Doctor Strange was an Asbury University graduate. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. So I I didn't see it in theaters. I just popped it on TV. I had it, I think it was on one of the streaming services or maybe I bought the movie or something on the streaming service. But I remember watching it and just really enjoying the character of Doctor Strange. And I really liked how they made it realistic in the sense that Doctor Strange just initially think of that name it's such a superhero name you're like how the heck are they going to make a guy called Doctor Strange into a a believable live action character because up until then they've kind of worked around a lot of different characters to make them believable maybe with the exception of the Hulk but everyone else is kind of believable so I was just thinking how are they going to do this with Doctor Strange and like first of all literally making him a doctor pretty clever didn't <laughs> honestly i did not even think of that when i thought of his name just because it's a superhero name but i enjoyed and maybe this is because i like kung fu movies a lot i like them so much and so this one i know is not a kung fu movie but it's got those those nods man it's got that that monk that like Eastern mysticism feel that I really am drawn to. And so for me, the whole vibe of the movie up until the end, I will, I will say this. I did not enjoy the end when I first watched it. I was like, this is oh, dumb. Oh gosh. But up until the end, I I was loving this movie. I liked the, the magic realism of it. I like the philosophy behind it and the, the warping, of time and I liked all of that and so I was thrilled with this until the end of the movie and I mean the end of the movie for me was kind of blocked from my memory because the rest of the movie is so good the first 95% of the movie is awesome and then you get to fighting which I think is kind of silly once again it's like well why weren't the Avengers called for this like ultra demon like interdimensional alien thing to you know stop him but I don't know. So for me I enjoyed Doctor Strange so much because it's it hit on elements that I personally enjoyed. Um especially that eastern mysticism kind of style that it brought in. And so I thought it was a cool direction that Marvel went for this movie. But what do you, what did you think, man?
0: Um so I re- I fell asleep in this movie. <laughs> multiple times um and so exciting and nearly like had the same point every time um i think the first half of this movie is great um, I really enjoy the first half of this movie. I like the development and the build-up of him becoming Doctor Strange. But mm-hmm. because it's an MCU movie, they have to have a certain amount of action within the film. And once the action starts with him having to defend the shrine in New York or something like that, I just thought the movie started to get dumb. Um <laughs> I, I I did, and, and visually it's all cool, it's all trippy, it feels kind of like, uh, you know, matrix Matrix esque, and yeah, but I just thought like it just it just fell apart. Like I liked when they focused on the characters and the development, and then there is like way too much action. Uh, that just didn't fit well with the rest of the movie, uh, and then the mm. fi- the final scene and how the conflict is resolved is just stupid. Um, yeah, they couldn't it, figure out how to end it. It's funny, like it's for the whole Dormammu thing and turning back the time is funny, like it makes me laugh. But it's just like it's just this story was all over the place. Like we went from this serious, very like man of science becoming a man of faith to like joking with an interdimensional demon about yeah. you know time by the end it was like it it changed tone in a really weird way when the action ramped up it got more lighthearted which was weird to me um mm. and i feel like that's why every time like the second half would start i'd kind of like doze off cuz like oh okay so they're going to fight for like 25 minutes i'll come <laughs> back in when the story progresses um <laughs> And also, uh, the the MCU with this one, I felt like it was really showing its cards in it being formulaic. Because this is mm. a big criticism of this film, that this is Iron Man with, with magic. And uh, a lot of that is true. Um, uh. This is a very similar origin story. But... Lasting appeal wise, I do think this is a good movie. Like there are a lot of movies in Phase Three for me that are kind of like tied. So ranking them was really hard because there's mm. a lot of ones that I think are kind of like tied with one another. Uh, but ultimately, this is um, this is a good movie, not one that I would consider to be great. Ah, uh, yeah, I think for me, man, this was this is a, this is still up on my list,
1: man, because i i do enjoy the he touched on a little bit the 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 whole faith element in it and how he's got to kind of give up the 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 rational mind a little bit in order to understand something far greater and i always like when that ideal is kind of touched on of of you know the man of science versus the man of faith i always like that dynamic and is it, it, it i know it's very tropey and it gets overdone but i think this movie to me brought a fresh look to a tried and true like storytelling device yeah so even for me, even now, I really enjoy this one. This one's just kind of like a – I don't want to say a guilty pleasure one because I know the ending's bad. I know when it gets to the end, <laughs> it's going to be stupid. But I get why they had to do that. They had to like get – they had to throw into the device that he could control time. So when they eventually got to end game, he could – they could have the out of him yeah. being like, okay, there's one good ending to this whole thing. And yeah. so like they had to plant some things that were a little unbelievable – and so i can kind of forgive them for that but i think for the most of the movie i was just i i still i still really enjoy this one
0: yeah yeah i i don't i don't want to say that i needed it to be a grounded uh movie about a sorcerer but yeah but it just for me it wasn't so much about that it was the the tone of the movie was so inconsistent like like it was like the first the opening like half hour of this movie is very very serious Um, you know, guys dealing with depression and, uh, can't find any answers. And then it kind of turns into like a spoof movie by the end, uh, which is just kind of weird. Uh, I, I love spoof movies, but I like it to be either a spoof movie or a serious movie. And I felt like Dr. Strange was trying to be a little bit too much of both because I feel like they got to a point and they're like, oh crap, this is a Marvel movie. We got to start doing like Marvel tropes. And so... (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true i'll give you that i mean i could be wrong but that's just kind of what i i think of the movie i still like it i like watching it but um for for me it's just okay yeah Um, but but now we got to get into one that's 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 this is just such a tough one for me to deal with because i am so hot and cold on this movie Mm. Uh, let's talk about it guardians of the galaxy volume two Box office did well, 869 million, 72nd of all time. Critical reception, 67% on sixty-seven on Metacritic, meaning that most critics basically said this is an above average movie. On Rotten Tomatoes, 85% of the critics said, hey, this is worth your overpriced popcorn and your drinks and your candy. Uh, the audience score, however, Metacritic, 77 which is decent. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 87, very similar to the critics. IMDb, 7.6. A lot of people kind of feeling decent movie, right? Not great, not bad, decent movie. However... Uh, this is a fun fact that I, I thought was interesting. According to Chris Pratt, shooting this movie helped him come to terms with his father's death. Although he passed away while Pratt was filming Jurassic World in 2015, in 2014 the actor didn't really get a chance to deal with the death at the time because he was busy filming and wanted to keep the rest of the cast spirits up. For a film that director James Gunn has described as a story about fathers, Pratt was able to open up old wounds that had been healing for some time. It acknowledge the fact that there are some wounds that cannot ever be completely healed, such as the death of a parent. Mm. Um, And I think that, you know, that's that's an interesting thing. And I feel like because this is a story about fathers, this movie gets bonus points for me. Um, Mm. But movies about fathers, uh, Zach, hold a special place in my heart. What about you? Can you think of a movie uh, that you would say is a movie about fathers that you really enjoy? Ooh, a movie about fathers. Or about fatherhood. Um, I th- I think one of the reasons why I enjoy the Batman films so much is because how much of an impact Thomas Wayne had on Bruce Wayne in such a, you know, a fraction mm. of his life virtually. But that was the motivation of why Bruce Wayne was able to do all that he did because his father was such a good person. And I was just like when fathers are, portray- are portrayed in a good light in movies. Makes me happy.
1: yeah. Um, here's one (laughs) going to go with
0: the classic here. Star Wars,
1: man. I mean, father, son. I mean, the original three, you you find out that Luke's father is the bad guy. And then it's like, I mean, the whole Star Wars film, at least up until the whole Star Wars franchise, at least up until number six, one through six is all about Anakin's redemption. Fall and then redemption. And so but once you find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father and then it's like Luke trying to redeem his father, I I thought that was pretty sweet, man. I like that, cool. that 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 dynamic. So I'm going to I'm going to go. Of course, I'm going to go with Star Wars, man.
0: I mean, I always still find it, you know, it's kind of strange that Luke cares more about Obi Wan and then his father, who never knew him, than he did his uncle who raised him. I mean, that's just still <laughs> yeah, bothers <I> you. Know. <laughs> Screw you, Ben. It's like <laughs> screw you, Uncle Ben. Oh, Uncle Ben, you're dead. <laughs> hey, yo, Obi Wan, let's go to Alderaan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Train me to be a Jedi. That sounds sweet. Tatum yeah, that sucks. Let's get out of way here. Better.
1: <laughs> I know this, this guy made like me farm moisture hand, for
0: seventeen years. <laughs> Moisture he let him in a go desert.
1: Power converters with his friends. So I mean <laughs> what do you want from him?
0: Uh, all right. Man. What did you,
1: do you think? What did you think of uh your initial impact, man? What did you think of Guardians Volume 2? Because so, this, like you said, this this got mixed reviews.
0: So after a Civil War, I was pretty committed to not return to the theater for another MCU film, but this one almost got me to go because I was super excited to see the Guardians back, but I didn't. I uh, didn't go to the theaters, but this was one of the ones that I saw as soon as it came out uh, on home release. Some of the other ones I put off for a while, but this one I saw right away, and I watched it and had similar levels of disappointment um, mm. a- as I did with, kind of like on Ultron levels. Not 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 as disappointed as with Civil War because of the fact that Civil War I was disappointed with and also didn't think it was very good, um, but... Ultron was kind of like, my expectations were really high, but nothing could live up to that. Uh, and yeah. even though I had curbed expectations because I had heard some reviews of Guardians 2, I was ultimately disappointed because I thought they overdid it with some of the humor to where they were trying too hard to be funny that that mm. they at, that a lot of times it wasn't funny. Um, so it was just a little bit too try hard for me. But one thing I will say, I loved the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely loved it. My wife was kind of so-so on it. However, my wife Mm. actually really liked Guardians of the Galaxy 2 the first time we saw it and still thinks that it is the better movie of the two, which... What? Hey, it's just... That's All right, what we, we talked about, but uh yeah, that was kind of my initial impact, kind of just a little disappointed. I thought that uh it has a similar it has a similar problem to what I think Doctor. Strange has is it's 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 half of a good movie, whereas I think it's the opposite of Doctor. Strange. I think that the Guardians of the Galaxy, the second half of the movie is actually pretty good, but you have to get through the first half, which is kind of a slog and uh too much forced humor. And yeah. just not a lot happens in how much time they spend on it. Part of me feels like this was an hour and a half movie that they had to stretch to two hours because mm-hmm. it's a Marvel film. So it's got to be a certain length. Um, mm. So, those yeah. are my thoughts on it. I When I left the theaters
1: after seeing this one, I just remember that... Like, I just didn't know where it was going the whole time the, until the very end when it turns out spoilers that his dad is the planet and his dad is like sending out basically spores of himself to other planets. Like. I just didn't. I didn't know where it was going. So most of the movie I spent enjoying because I enjoy the I enjoy the humor and the lightheartedness of Galax or Guardians of the Galaxy, so I won't ever really fault them for that because that's kind of what I expect from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, the jokes are one liners and they really overdo it with a lot of them. They really went over the top with like the funnies in this one, but mm-hmm. I was okay with that because it's kind of what you expected. And I feel like movie number two, when I saw it, it's like. You, you kind of want the humor to be bigger. You, the, number 2's got to be you got to exceed the expectations of number 1. And number 1, I mean, dude, I mean, number 1 is really hard to surpass. Volume 1 is just it's a good movie. It's it hits on all cylinders. So they had a huge accomplishment to to achieve here with making a second Volume And so I'm kind of nervous for the third one because of this. But um, I agree with this one. I just didn't know where it was going. You obviously knew the dad. There was something up the whole time. And so for me, I I enjoyed the the reveal, but it was kind of the Doctor Strange reveal where it was like, oh, really, that's the bad guy. Like if you're going to conceal it the whole time, like make it cool. Don't make it like the CGI at the end with the that da- like with uh whoa, who's the actor? I mean I'm I'm Kurt terrible Russell. at that. Kurt Russell. Jeez. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Um, just his like face being like all over the place and <laughs> like just that is the planet's rocks and I just I I stopped I lost interest when the whole planet was trying to like kill them. I'm like, come on, you're this powerful, you're an entire planet, you can't kill the people on your planet, like. I just – I kind of lost it at that point. Um, So for me, I left it and I just – I didn't like what I felt, man. I didn't like that I didn't enjoy a Guardians of the Galaxy movie because for better or for worse, man, I had super high expectations then for the second movie because the first one was so good. And so I think they had a huge, huge battle to – to fight in order to make a second movie compelling. I did like Yondu a lot in the second movie, a lot more than I did in the first one. I think they really developed his character and they really made him likable. Yeah. Um, I, I think the first one, he just wasn't likable whatsoever. And even at the end when he's helping them, but mm-hmm. they really came around to like developing his character, which is great. They introduced the mantis girl, which, was okay i guess and then i think they did a pretty good job of developing gamora's and quinn's relationship or quill peter quill's relationship so um when i left i i, I saw the good in it but i also was like this was just not a good movie this just like i didn't enjoy the end so i uh I kind of still feel the same way getting into my lasting impact, man. I still feel the same way about this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good on it for certain periods of time and then, or certain moments of the movie. And then I just, I'm, I just can't stand it at other points. So for me, the overall experience is I enjoy it as a member of the Marvel cinematic universe, but it is, it's, it's it's hard to to like the ending which kind of just deteriorates the rest of the movie for me if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah i mean as far as lasting appeal goes for me i still i still like this movie more than i i like this movie more than i originally did and i think it's because I, I, because I knew it was going to be so bombastic in its conclusion, I was able to pay attention more to the character development, which I actually think a lot of the character work here is is pretty decent. Um, in yeah. Learning more about the different characters and the dynamic that they have and really kind of setting them up as like, hey, this is a team that is in a lot of ways, while the Avengers fell apart, you know, this is a team that, Seems to have it all together, and they're a bunch of, you know, outcasts, which I think is interesting. Um, but yeah, like that, the final action scene's a little bit too much, but I think <laughs> the character arc of Yandu, I think the, re- the redeeming the outlaw is always a fun story arc that's always nice to see. Um, and, and for the most part, like, it, if I, I think the storytelling is not great but the story theme is pretty good um Mm -hmm. maybe a little too much exposition from ego but i can't i can't think of a way that they would have done what they did much better yeah um you know so while it's easy to knock exposition in film it's like well they probably did that because it was the best way to do it um it's not like these are low budget films here um so, anyway, lasting appeal. I give this one a thumbs up. I like it a lot better than I used to. Um, and I actually was surprised where it fell on my rankings on mm. the MCU Phase 3. So, let's move into Spider-Man Homecoming. Is this one of the ones you haven't seen? This is one
1: that I haven't seen, man. So, you're going to have right. to take it from here. All right. I will say up front, the reason why I didn't see this is because I was so tired of Spider-Man getting rebooted that I was, I swore off Spider-Man. I was like, I don't care who plays Spider-Man anymore. I'm not going to see another Spider-Man movie. And then of course, when I say that Spider-Man homecoming ends up being a really, really good movie apparently. So I gotta, I gotta get on and see that man.
0: Well, I, I, I think I still think that this is a movie, though, that could be divisive. And, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about why. Uh, box Office Wives, $880 million, 67th all-time. Very good. Critical Reception, 73 on Metacritic, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience Score, 7.4 on Metacritic, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 8 on IMDb. I believe this is the highest-rated IMDb film of Phase 3 uh, up to this point. Uh, I think the highest rated one's probably gonna be Infinity War, but uh, up to this yeah. point. Uh eight. One of the fun facts, Michael Keaton being in this movie just is hilarious because Michael Keaton has a very interesting journey with superhero films. Uh he was Batman in the late eighties and early nineties in Batman and Batman Returns, which was great. And then he serves as the villain for uh as uh the uh Vulture, as as Mr. Mm. Tombs. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, I do remember seeing that. And so he's the villain in Spider-Man Homecoming. And, you know, a lot of people have played both a hero and a villain in a superhero movie. But I think... Now, I would have to do more research. But I think Michael Keaton is the only person who's played an actor who was a washed-up actor of former superhero stardom in the movie Birdman. So, mm-hmm. so Michael Keaton uh played a hero in a in a movie and a villain and he also played an actor who couldn't get over his washed up success as a ex superhero actor in the movie Birdman and then later <laughs> went on to play a character named Vulture a <laughs> couple <laughs> movies later <laughs> so Uh, It's so good. (laughs) I just think it's funny, right? It just feels like a meta story. But Uh (laughs) uh, another fun fact is that Robert Downey Jr., who plays Tony Stark, uh, he remarks about how attractive Aunt May is, Marissa Tomei, in um, the Civil War film. Fun fact Downey yeah. and Tomei had a relationship in the 90s and appeared in two other films together in the early 90s. So I think that's kind of interesting how they had a relationship. Aww. And then, you know, he kind of hits on her in Captain America Civil War, but then ends up getting back together with Pepper Potts. So no more hitting on Aunt May. And. <laughs> Uh, as far as initial impact goes, I'll go through this relatively quick since you don't have anything here. Uh, I was really not expect, looking forward to a Spider-Man reboot. I was, I was <laughs> tired of it. I was about as tired of Spider-Man reboots as I am of Batman reboots. Um, you know, we're mm, getting another yeah. Batman reboot here soon, and it has shiny vampire boy who's going to be playing Batman. And- hey, I like Robert Pattinson. I will go see that one, man.
1: Oh, my gosh. That movie looks terrible. Well, I will uh, let you know how terrible it is. So- <laughs>
0: So, so you, you'll you go see a Robert Pattinson Batman, but you're right <laughs> yeah. off Spider-Man. Done. Done with Spider-Man, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I was not really looking forward to this one. I also wasn't really excited about the casting. Uh, when I saw that they casted a kid, I was like, oh, okay, so we're doing the Spider-Man origin story yet again. Mm-hmm. Um I would have liked to have seen a more adult, maybe a developed and established Spider-Man in the MCU. So I was kind of like, all right, well, I've seen this movie before. However, was extremely surprised with how much I liked this movie. Because I feel like this movie is the only movie, the only movie in the MCU That actually balances the conflict between being a hero and being the person who is the alter ego. This is the only movie in the MCU that actually cares about the alter ego aspect. It's the only one that kind of feels like a traditional superhero movie, even though most of these movies are very good. Spider-Man's the only one that actually pays attention to the fact that, hey, Peter Parker is a kid with a family and friends that he cares about and that's why he wears the mask right and they actually make that matter in this film and he's conflicted with whether he wants to be a hero or whether he wants to be a high schooler and mm. i thought it was handled i thought it was handled impressively well um one of the things that kind of turned me off at at first and still i would probably subtract some points for it is they decided not to really have like um uh, Harry Osborn in here is not a character in here. His best friend is a guy named Ned. And then there is an MJ in the movie, but it's not Mary Jane. She's, I, I can't even remember her name, but she just goes by MJ and it's just like, okay, so I don't know why we're changing a lot of this. I mean, I can guess why, but, um, you know, that hmm. was kind of weird, um, to kind of be rebooting Spider-Man, but not have any of the iconic you know, side characters in there. However, Tombs uh played by Michael Keaton probably one of the better villains in the MCU. His motivations I could actually get behind and I could sympathize with. The virtually one of the only villains in the MCU that a audience member can sympathize with is in this movie uh so just gets a lot of positive points for doing a lot of things that other mcu films hadn't probably because they were trying to avoid a lot of the superhero tropes that were being done in the early 2000s superhero films but this one felt like a good refresher and surprised me a lot as far as lasting appeal goes i like this movie my kids like spider-man a lot so this is one that we've actually watched together um and so they're really into it. So this is a fun movie for me and I thought was really good. And you should definitely give it a shot, Zach.
1: No, I definitely need to. Uh, there's a kid at my work that always tells me or asks me, have you seen Homecoming yet? <laughs> Even all these years later,
0: all, I'm like, no, man, uh, <laughs> sorry. I need to get around to it. Uh, so So why don't you go ahead and transition us and take us into Thor Ragnarok?
1: All right. This one this one man is a good one this is a so good thor one. thor ragnarok box office made a five or sorry not five 850 million dollars number 76 all time critical reception metacritic gave it a 74 so it is well above an average movie they're like go see it rotten tomatoes gave it a 93% that's really good Um, audience score the audience agreed Metacritic 7.8 Rotten Tomatoes 87% and IMDB 7.9 they love this movie man Mm -hmm. this was a good one so why don't you give us our fun fact
0: Uh, in Japan the title of the film is Mighty Thor Battle Royale which pays homage to a well-known Japanese film where children fight each other, which preceded *Hunger Games*. That *The Hunger Games* was not an original idea by Suzanne Collins. I guess these types of stories have been done many times before. Uh, but personally, I feel like that title is a little misleading uh, because there's like a battle with Hulk. Um, so, what do you think about the film being called *Mighty Thor Battle Royale*? Like, it, it the whole entire movie is named after one scene. <laughs> yeah
1: i was gonna say because like yeah that's kind of part of the movie but that's not the whole movie and that's not really the point of the movie it's just the yeah there's a there's a a coliseum fight that happens once <laughs> so we're, this is the movie name now <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know about uh, that
0: i don't know i i yeah. enjoy thor ragnarok a little more mm. tell me about it tell me your initial thoughts on thor ragnarok the first time oh, you saw man. this movie I knew, so
1: they went a completely different direction. I was, I was, I was feeling the blues, man. You know, after Thor 2, Dark World, they just, they went way too fantasy. They went way too deep. We talked about in our previous podcast, they just did, they tried to go too much to the fantasy side. And so Thor, Ragnarok, just even from the, the trailers and the music and the colors, it was very eighties. It's like they just took Thor and threw him into the eighties and then gave it a guardians of the galaxy spin. And I liked that they, they took Thor in the direction of taking himself a little less serious. And I think honestly, Thor's franchise benefited from that. Um, so, for me, I, I enjoyed the and so the other thing too. Before I get to that point, is I it had been a long time that I, before like between me seeing Ultron and me seeing this movie. So I completely forgot that, like how or was it Ultron when yeah the, when Hulk, the Hulk was was uh, exiled yeah yeah like I completely forgot that that's why he's still the Hulk and he can't yeah. get out of the body. And so I was like, why is he the Hulk still like, this doesn't make sense. And he doesn't really want to get out of it. And then you have Thor. Um, and, and this one really pushed the franchise towards end game. You knew definitely where they were going with this one. Um, I think having, um oh man, here we go with the names again, dude. Uh Jeff Goldblum. There we go. Oh yeah, uh,
0: Jeff Goldblum. Having him in uh, the movie. A total dude. typecast in that one. And I oh, love it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely.
1: And it was perfect, man. Perfect. But it has some of my favorite
0: characters <laughs> yeah.
1: It's got some of my favorite characters. Even the the minor characters, man, in this movie are awesome are hilarious and they come back again in other movies because they were so funny and i just think that all around like this movie took it (laughs) to the to the next level of just fun and so um for me this was this was part of the
0: revolution (laughs) didn't have enough didn't have enough posts enough flyers Dude, I saw something the other day. Yeah, I didn't have enough applies to start the revolution. But I
1: think, I think so. The other day, what did I see? Uh, Oh, it was on, I think it was on Reddit. I saw someone post that Gork, what's his name? What's the rock guy? I think it's
0: Korg. Korg? K O R G. Korg?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so he loses he's put in jail and put on this like where he's at because he can't get enough flyers to start his revolution and so he they're like he loses the paper because he doesn't have enough paper and he's a rock so like rock paper scissors that i thought it was pretty clever i think it's a stretch but i was like ah, oh, that's pretty clever man but yeah he's a great sub character i think the the style of this movie man like the the cinematography is awesome and then like Having Hella as a villain, like awesome. What cat Kate Blanchett? I mm-hmm. I do know that yep. name. Kate Blanchett, yeah. Great, great Hella, man. She did a great job. I thought I thought the interactions between like Thor and Odin were really powerful as well. Um, I really enjoyed that, honestly. Like his kind of reconciling with his father a little bit. Um that was really really good. So I think they just they took Thor to the next level with this one and I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Um yeah. because of that. So what did you think, man?
0: Oh, man, I legitimately went into this movie thinking it was going to be stupid, entirely <laughs> dumb. I thought this was going to be so stupid like from what I had heard about it and then kind of how it was marketed, I was like, "Oh, seriously, now we're making a comedy?" Uh, okay. However, I did not realize that what I was really longing for, what I was really itching for, was a Norse contemporary fantasy comedy. I don't think I don't think it was on the short list of things that I really wanted in entertainment. But I secretly did. Um and I think one of the things was that this movie just leaned into being absolutely fun. Um mm. You know, it's not going to get any awards from critics. It's not going to go down as this legendary film of all time, but it is so fun. And I could see this being somewhat of a divisive film for people who might not have wanted Thor to go this direction. I could understand that. Um, I could understand if people were like, well, I didn't really want Thor to be turned into a comedy. Um, Because not a lot, you know, there are still people out there who don't like where Ragnarok went. Yeah. But I really did. I really thought it was fun. It was nice to have something that was fun and refreshing. It was one of those things where the whole entire movie I was just, I wasn't totally engaged. It was one that I didn't fall asleep through, which is always a good sign, right, when I was super-duper busy and a movie could just keep me up at at night and watch this whole thing. I I enjoyed it. Um, And and so Mm. I, I just remember the 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 initial impact of this film though to me was just how memorable Korg was like it's (laughs) so funny like every time he spoke it was like okay like this is just ridiculous um and I guess that that guy's also uh the director of the film Taika Waititi is the guy who's the voice of him which I thought was
1: interesting and And if you haven't seen some of his other films too uh, you should go see him. What yeah. We Do in the Shadows is hilarious. It's like a funny, goofy vampire movie. And then Hunt for the Wilder People, awesome
0: movie. So okay. you you should go check out his other films, too. I know I've been really wanting to see Jojo Rabbit. Um, That was oh, on my, yeah, that was on my that list one. of ones I wanted yeah. to see. Um. But but yeah. I about- yeah, I, I thought he did a great job. And then uh, lastly, one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the movie because I just I just like subtle set uh setups and payoffs was mm. when Carl Urban at the end of the film when he's going to defend all of the Asgardians takes his <laughs> his yeah. assault rifles out from from earlier in the movie that he got from the mythical land of Texas. <laughs> and- <laughs> just like just just totally unloads into as many enemies as possible and I just love that. I thought that was a great way to have that character go out. Um yeah. giving it some comedic edge as well as some nice heroism was great. I enjoyed that. But mm-hmm. uh what about you, man? What was your lasting appeal on this movie?
1: Oh man, dude, this is still one of my favorite ones in all of the The entire MCU, man, like the characters are great. Um, Just hella. I I can't stop talking about hella because I think they finally struck a good villain in not only the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but a good villain in a Thor movie. You haven't had applause. uh, I mean, Loki's fine. That was a good villain, but like he just pops up so much throughout the MCU that you kind of get used to Loki just being a bad guy all the time. So I think for me having a, first of all, another part of his family be evil, which is kind of funny. Um, just be that powerful enough to just shatter his own hammer. Like just a, like someone that's almost as equal. It was, it was a really compelling villain. And then just the, the fun that the mm-hmm. movie brought, they were just like, yeah. let's just, go for it like let's just have great music great cinematography bright colors Mm -hmm. um i think they did a great job they knocked it out of the park with this one this is my i I don't know if i said this before but this is my favorite thor movie is the third one for me it goes the third one then the first then the second and we'll see what the fourth one coming out
0: yeah, I I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see if that premise works. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, How about you? Uh for me, I this is this is my favorite movie of this phase. I I think it's the most fun to watch. I think it's a, an easy popcorn flick. And that's what these movies that's what Phase 3 really set these movies up to be. Like these are just comfort films, you know. Yeah. The, and i feel like in that type of storytelling thor ragnarok does it very very well it executes mm. on a lot of levels like this is this is a fun movie to just sit down and watch get some good laughs in see some good action see some decent acting um you know just all around pretty good movie uh the the soundtrack is fun it's kind of fun to go in between um, the the synth-type sounds of the 80s and the epic sounds yeah. of uh, Asgard is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that leads us into our final one of Phase 3, Black Panther. Let's go over some statistics. This was a big moneymaker, man. $1.33 billion. Woo! 12th all-time uh, worldwide. Critical reception on Metacritic. They really loved this. 88. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 96% of critics said that this is worth your overpriced popcorn and drinks and candy. On Metacritic, the audience score, though, was a little bit, I think, I think this was maybe a little bit of review bombing going on. Uh, A 6.3 on the audience side. On Rotten Tomatoes, Hmm. 79% of people liked it, and it sits at a 7.3 on IMDb. That disparity between Metacritic scores is always something to pay attention to when they're that far off. 88 to 6.3, that's a lot. Yeah. That's 15 points off, so I'm curious Hmm. what happened there. Fun fact about Black Panther: Black Panther was created in July 1966, two months before the founding of the Black Panther Party. Many people mistakenly assumed the name referred to the party, so the character was renamed the Black Leopard. However, neither the readers nor the creators cared for that title, and it didn't last long. However, the Black Leopard name gets a nod from T'Challa battle a battle against battle paint at his inauguration fight. I can't read. Um, (laughs) So he wears leopard battle paint. But I gotta ask you, man. Mm. What do you think of the name the Black Leopard? What if that was the name of the superhero? Does it roll off the tongue quite as well as Black Panther? Or does Black Panther just roll off the tongue because it is just a popular name? Um,
1: Well, here's the thing, man. A leopard... It's not, it's not black, right? Like an act, right? The black leopards are. Are there black leopards or I've, are those I just have panthers? No clue.
0: I have no okay. clue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was. I don't. I don't even know if a black leopard is a real a real cat. I'm gonna so, assume that it's not because I'm I mean I'm not sure trying black, to. Get, I'm pretty yeah. sure, like you said, a black leopard is just a panther. So
1: I think. Uh, Not that we're getting into the realm of what's real and what's not in superhero movies because we're far,
0: far beyond that. Yeah. He wears a suit of something called vibranium.
1: Yeah. So we're not going to get to, but I don't think there's a black leopard, man. I think those are just panthers. So and then I also thought that panthers panthers weren't real. I thought they were just called like jaguars, but. I could be wrong I don't they're
0: know all big felines and yes there is uh, they, they're referring to this thing as a black leopard but it is virtually a panther where its spots are just more pronounced looks like a panther but you can kind of see that it has lighter skin so there is a black leopard yeah but it's still a panther like according okay. to wikipedia here it it a black panther is part of like the leopard family so is is calling
1: it a black panther redundant uh uh, i don't know because wouldn't a panther just be black anyways because i feel like if it's got spots and
0: stuff it'd be called a leopard that's that's a good that is a good question um well what i had to look up is are there different colored (laughs) Panthers I mean there's the white leopard which hey
1: for audience members who have made it this far into the podcast and you are the resident expert on panthers leopards jaguars and all the other big cats yeah let us know
0: let us, let know. us know what you think let uh, us know what we're wrong the energy i was bringing early on in the podcast is starting to wear off it's starting to get pretty late i'm starting to get pretty tired so we're going to keep moving on through the black <laughs> panther film uh, as far as my right. initial impact of this movie is i liked the movie but it was surrounded by so much hype that i i knew it couldn't live up to it all right it, and I was really excited to see Andy Serkis back in the MCU. Come on, the dude is in Lord of the Rings. I get excited about Heck all yeah. things Lord of the Rings. I was excited to see him back in the MCU, and then you got Bilbo Baggins in this movie, so I was pretty pumped about it. However, I hated the characterization of Claw in this movie. I think to turn him into the maniacal type and that scene that he's in, basically in and out of the movie mm. super quick, was it was just kind of like, you no, know, this just feels really dumb. He, they. Turned him into like the laughing maniac, shoot his blaster everywhere type of bad guy. And it just felt kind of stupid because this is a guy who broke into a place and stole vibranium in a place that a lot of the world doesn't even realize exists. He knows it exists. He breaks in somehow. So he must be an extremely adept, like, you know, military guy, secret agent type. Like, I wanted to see a complete... BA, and we got a guy who was easily defeated, and it just didn't make any sense uh, Mm. as to why he was easily foiled. He was a dude who broke into Wakanda, uh, but (laughs) I I, I know exactly why they didn't make him a strong character. It's because they wanted to focus on Killmonger, which is fine. It's just make Killmonger the villain and leave Andy serkis as Claw out of it. Um, Mm. But...
1: Yeah. (sighs) Man, I didn't like this movie. (laughs) I just going to flat out say it. I uh I got the hype around it and I think maybe that once again, listen. If you like a movie, say hey, it's a really good movie. I think you would enjoy it and then end it at that. Because I think the problem is these movies get hyped so much sometimes and this was like everywhere when it came out. And I'm I did not finish this movie, which I don't know what that says about me. I just could not get through this whole movie. I thought it was, I got kind of boring. It it got back into the tropiness of Marvel movies, man. You can kind of see the cookie cutter coming back in this movie. And I was just kind of getting tired of the style that they were going with. So for me, I, I enjoyed black Panther a lot more in this movie than I did in civil war. But I think just overall I couldn't get on board with, like you said, like the villain with just the, the, the pacing of the movie. Um, not that it was slow. It's just, you kind of knew what they were going to do. Like you knew what events to expect at what times. And I don't like movies that I can kind of just sit back and predict all the things that are going to happen. And so, For me, Black Panther is a movie that maybe if I see it again, I haven't watched it since that I didn't finish it the one time, but maybe it's something that could change when I watch it again. But for the time being, man, this movie just did not just not do it for me. It wasn't uh, wasn't one of my favorite ones on this list.
0: Yeah, I I think one thing I'll ask you is I actually think that this movie does a decent job of the hero's journey, though. Um, It follows it kind of to a T. But I don't know. Maybe it's because it felt too much within the Marvel formula. Um, Like, I kind of feel similar to you. A lot of it just didn't really impact me in like a great storytelling type of way you know um yeah a lot of the stuff they were using with vibranium and i understand if that's the source material but just the fact that vibranium can do everything like it can just do everything um (laughs) is is kind of one of those things where it's like well why don't you just share your technology with the world and let it do everything you know, and
1: yeah. Yeah. If you're going to create something that powerful, you're going to a lot, a lot of holes
0: to your, to
1: your storyline.
0: And so they had to protect it And like, why did they have to protect it? I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's kind of like the, the one of the big plot holes that, that comes in every type of fantasy and sci-fi thing, but it's just like, okay, well, I mean, I just, I couldn't relate to the whole vibranium thing. Um, and another thing, too, another criticism of mine is the sister who's the scientist is just smarter than everybody. Like, she, yeah, it doesn't matter. You could have Bruce Banner. You can have Tony Stark. I mean, maybe Reed Richards will be smarter than her when they bring him into the MCU. Who knows? But she's automatically the smartest person and it's unexplained. Um, <laughs> you, you know what? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it just it doesn't really make sense. Um and, and so, like, yeah, there's a lot of things in the movie that I think are just kind of goofy, um, that maybe a lot of people just didn't, or overlooked, but, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, uh, just, I'll sneak into my lasting appeal here, too, is, this is a decent movie, uh, the final, the finale of this film, the action sequence, the finale, I just, I, I don't, I don't think it's great, um, and, and the fact that we go back to Wakanda like multiple times, it's like, oh, okay, so we're doing this, we're doing this whole thing a lot, you know, <laughs> going forward. <laughs> and so, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's just okay. Uh, that's, yeah.
1: That's what I'll say. Yeah. Um. I'll let you know when I finish it, <laughs> what I think of it. Fair I enough. just, uh yeah, I didn't, Fair enough. I didn't like it enough to not finish it the first time. I don't even think I actively chose to be like, I'm done. And I turned it off. I think I got to a point and then it's like, oh, I got to go do something. And then just never returned to the movie and never felt like I needed to return to the movie. So that's on me, guys. I will. I will watch this movie for the people.
0: Do it. Do it all right man let's get into our list and wrap this thing up all right man you want to go first or you want me to go first i'll t- I'll,
1: I'll take this one I'll go, go ahead first, take
0: the lead go first worst all right best in phase the best
1: of- well i had to put homecoming last because i haven't seen it yet but God, that hurts man that probably does that hurt i last. i fell off here man in the first half of the phase three <laughs> i fell off I i got back strong in the second half there you go um Number five for me, Black Panther. Unfortunately, these are just the two movies that I either didn't see or only half saw. So I apologize for anyone out there who just is like, this is the best one. Like, I'm sure it is. I will need to watch all of it. Um, Number four for me, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, I liked it. Liked the the interactions with the characters. Um, I did like the themes of the movie. Um, Just wasn't really sold on the the villain ego was a bit too much for me Mm -hmm. um number three civil war it's it's a solid film it's a good one but it it's it depends on what season you're seeing it in to honestly but right now it's number three six months from now could drop or it could be higher but right now i'm i'm kind of jiving with with civil war um number two doctor strange Great movie for me. Um, I think it did a lot for the the Marvel Cinematic Universe to kind of go with a more cerebral type of movie. Um, so for me, Doctor Strange comes in at number two. And then number one, man, Thor Ragnarok. I feel like we've said enough about Thor, so I'm not going to yeah. keep going over it again, but. Number one for me is is Thor Ragnarok.
0: How about you, man? Uh, for me, coming in at number six is going to be Black Panther. I feel bad putting this at the bottom of the list, but out of all of these movies, it's the one I just like the least. Um, it's not a bad movie. It just uh, It's just not one of my favorites. Um, Captain America Civil War is going to come in at number five. Um I am going to say that a lot of this is is mostly subjective because I can't look at this movie and not think of what it could have been. And this could have been something great. If you would have done Civil War as a two-part film, like you did Infinity War, you could have done something great. Um, instead, they did something decent. Which I think a lot of people who really like this like it more because they get to see all their favorite characters again. Not because you can make any type of argument that this is actually a great story. Um, And number four and number three for me are closer to being tied than... Uh, you know, a huge gap between them. But number four is going to be Doctor Strange. Uh, hmm. I, I like this movie. I think that it's pretty good. But I enjoy the first half a lot more than I enjoy the second half. And so um, coming in at number four, Doctor Strange. Coming in at number three, a uh, similar problem. I In fact, it's inverse. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I enjoy the second half of this film better than I enjoy the first half. Uh, Because once it finally gets going, there's some pretty entertaining stuff. It just takes a while to get going, uh, which is, you know, just uncharacteristic uh, compared to the first movie, which felt like it got going right out of the gate. Um, Mm -hmm. So Guardians is number three, but it's very close to Doctor Strange at number four. Those are very, very close. Mm. Um, And then number two for me is Spider-Man Homecoming. This probably ranks high for me because just how surprised I was with how good it was, um, having very very low expectations and not being excited about another Spider-Man film, I think, made me see this movie uh, more uh, with, you know, fresh eyes. You know, I came yeah. to it thinking it was going to be terrible and surprised how good it was. Um, and then number one for me is Thor Ragnarok. While I think there are. Films within this phase that do deeper and more meaningful things, there's not one that's more fun to watch. And so, ultimately, when I sit down to watch an MCU movie, I'm looking for something that is fun to watch. If I want something that's very serious and very contemplative, I'll watch The Godfather, not an MCU (laughs) film. But when I sit down and watch an MCU film, I'm looking for some fun. And Thor Ragnarok brings some of the most fun we've seen in the MCU Uh, to date. Uh, So that's my list. And, guys, that's the episode. We're going to call it there because it's getting real late here. I need to get to bed, and I'm sure (laughs) Zach does too. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to head over to SteelLakeStudio.com. Reach out to us over on our community tab. We'd love to hear from you, and we will communicate back. But until then, we hope you guys have a fantastic week, a blessed day, and we'll talk to you next time on Parallel Quest. Bye-bye. Bye.